0: All right, great effort, great energy in this last hour of the final show of the week. Here with you until one o'clock on 1045 The Zone on a full send Friday. We hope that you guys are excited about getting to the weekend as we are. 615 737 1045 is how you jump in on the conversation. Coach Dave McGinnis will soon be here and we will take calls, Lucas, for Dave McGinnis today. Now we're going to need to be specific. Because we do not want to waste this man's time with trivial uh, requests, and we do have a line of conversation specifically that we're going to have with Coach Mack. We're also going to make fun of the Jags <laughs> here in just a second, and the Lions. Because why not? But in the meantime, we will continue to take your calls six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Catherine is in Murfreesboro. She's got a question for me. What's up, Catherine?
1: Hey, Kath. Uh, hey, Buck. I understand. You are the Titan expert, correct?
0: Uh, so the, the imaging keeps telling me that, so at some point I guess that must be so. It
1: does. It does. Your press says that. Yeah. So here's our question. Football novices, please don't make fun of us, okay? Wait 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 wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait,
0: Catherine. You're saying us. Who, who is with you?
1: Well, we've got uh, 12 separated in two cars, but oh. we're talking amongst ourselves. Okay. The bachelorette we're party? We're oh. driving back from a seminar. We're driving back from a seminar. So we're talking about the assembly of a team, okay? okay? And who puts that winning team together? In this case, it's me, okay? So if my team, my 12 or 15 people, don't perform for my company, which I won't mention because you'll know, yeah. then it's my fault. So at what point does it become – now, granted – successful year last year for the titans correct
0: Correct. are we right i i I mean when you win your division it should be considered a success
1: it's got to be a win right it's good and again football novices so but my point is they've been here a long time a long time um when does it become? Is it an ownership problem? Because you're talking about we need this player and that player, and with our picks we're going to take this, but we need that, and we have a problem with salary cap, and and I know all teams must suffer from that, right? Just like any company suffers. But at one point, does it become the dude that's named? I think John Robinson.
0: That is that is accurate. John Robinson is, is the, the general it become
1: manager. His fault.
0: So so let me In other words, it's keep falling short. Let me ask you a follow up, Catherine. Are you are you talking about just in terms of the pursuit of a Super Bowl?
1: Just the pursuit of a continually successful team. Because we could all agree that nine and nine or eight and eight or however many games they play in the regular season is what they call mediocrity, correct?
0: Well, here's here's how I'll here's how I will uh combat that because they have had 9 now or excuse me, 5 now consecutive winning seasons. So they would be considered at 9 and 7 for 3 years uh or 9 and 7 for 4 years? Is that right? 9 and 7 for 4 years and then 11 and 5 last year, they would be considered an above average franchise in terms of average being we 8 knew, and 8. We
1: knew you'd be able to explain it to us because when we see is subpar and i'm saying 11 to 1 is the vote here Uh, and not that we're not titans fans we're huge Titans fans we want nothing but the best for the titans but what's missing what's the difference between titans and patriots
0: okay thank you for the call catherine and and all 12 of you riding along Lucas immediately said bachelorette party no some people actually work during the day Lucas they're on their way back from a seminar relax
2: I was picturing them all in just like a giant van just woo girls listening to <laughs> listening to the, to the zone
0: I mean listen we we, we uh I, I'm thrilled to hear that there are 12 women who are listening to sports talk radio I feel like we're defying the odds here on the uh on the station so l- let me go about this because it's it is it's it's a fairly base question, but that's okay. We don't mind we don't mind walking people through that if they're if whether they're new to sports or whether they've been Titans fans, but they don't necessarily understand what kind of the state of the franchise is. So while while Catherine was was giving me her question, I asked Lucas uh, off the air in my uh, in the ability that I have to talk back to him that doesn't go out on the air. I asked Lucas how many teams don't have a Super Bowl victory on their resume how many franchises do not and the answer was a dozen a dozen 12 teams out of 32 do not have a super bowl championship now lucas are you are do you have the list in front of you that you can read in a way that is efficient, or am I putting you too much on the spot by asking you to bring that information back up?
2: The Minnesota Vikings, the Buffalo Bills, LOL. Cincinnati, (laughs) we talked about this the other day. There's a whole
0: 30 for 30 about making it to four Super Bowls and losing them all. God.
2: Brian, uh, has a theory, that's what br- broke the Bills' fan base permanently is the reason why they smashed tables today.
0: Just a deep depression that causes you to launch yourself into a guard table.
2: Cincinnati Bengals, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, the L.A. Chargers, the Tennessee Titans, the Arizona Cardinals, the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: All right, so three of the four AFC South teams <laughs> do not have a Super Bowl victory. Shout uh, out. Yeah, so it
2: has to be the only division with three, right? Shout out
0: Peyton Manning. Well, it literally just is. You just read them. So, what I, what I'll say to you is is Catherine the Tennessee Titans in their existence. I think we're going into year twenty two for Tennessee. Now, John Robinson is heading into his sixth year, so he has presided over five of those seasons, and in each of those seasons, outside of the three and thirteen year, they would be considered above average nine and seven in a league, and again, an extra regular season game is added this year, so there will be no more 8-8. Eight and eight. But if you're playing a 16-game regular season schedule, which has been the case in the National Football League for 44 years, 43 years, you are going, if you finish above 500, you're an above-average team. It's a difficult thing to do. The league is very, very well built for parity, more than any other sport. So, if you're looking at the body of work for John Robinson, understanding that there are 11 other franchises outside of the Titans that have not yet won a Super Bowl, it puts in a in a little better context. Nearly a third of the league has not achieved the heights that you are saying that the Titans should be competing at. Now, they're as close. I mean, outside of those early Jeff Fisher teams where they did actually make it to a Super Bowl, they competed in a Super Bowl but lost to the. Uh the the Rams. They have been in in that position. Outside of that, these teams that Robinson and Under Vrabel have put together have probably been the closest since then. In fact, in 2019, they were a game away. A game away from the Super Bowl. That's pretty good. Now it it is there room for improvement? Of course. Are as are people going to be satisfied? With that as a response, of course not. You want a Super Bowl. You want, even if it's just to go back to the game, you want that ability as a fan base. You want your executives, the people who are responsible for constructing the team, the general manager, like John Robinson, the scouts who work under him, the people uh, responsible for putting together the bones of this, you want them to be able to maximize your window. And your window right now is Derrick Henry, Taylor Lewan. Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons we will consider those the big five. Kevin Byard's also in there like you've got good players. You've got a team that is capable of competing. You are playing this year a first place schedule. That is your reward for winning your division but not making it far in the postseason. I mean, it doesn't matter how far you made it in the postseason. You're going to play a first place uh, division schedule anyway. But your result or exceeding just above average last year is now you have to play everybody else who's really, really good. Kansas City, Buffalo, New Orleans, the 49ers. I mean, that's not necessarily because you're playing, you're just playing that conference or that division, not necessarily because the 49ers were in first place in their division, but the Los Angeles Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, the Arizona Cardinals, one of the best divisions in football, the NFC West, on top of the first place finishers in the other divisions. It is difficult. That's what makes it so rewarding when you get there. That's what makes the runs that you go on so much fun. How many runs have have teams like the Titans had where you squeak into the playoffs and then you largely dominate? You do dominate for two postseason games and for, you know, the first half of another one until Patrick Mahomes broke you over his knee. It happens. Good to great, says Hayes Ant on Twitch. Yeah, I mean, you can you can make the argument that they have done that. As much as I hate the clichés that they kind of, you know, cuz that ends up at some point sports media more cynical than it is <laughs> than it is uh, more cynical and sarcastic than it is, you know, good-natured and intelligent ribbing. It's much easier to be snide in your commentary than it is to be smart And not, you know, harmful and funny. And good to great became like an anchor around their neck when they didn't achieve greatness right out of the gate. That was the whole slogan. Put it on, you know, they put it on the banners on the side of the facility. It was the team motto. Good to great. How you doing today, Vrabel? Great. Having a great day. Okay, Mike. (laughs) But the AFC title game team Great. Derrick Henry in that postseason, great. An offense that scores north of 30 points a game, even as they had to because the defense on the opposite side of them was awful, still great. So you can, you can, I don't want to say nitpick because you want to hold these guys to a high standard. They've shown you that they can be. But within the context of the rest of the sport when you're talking about a dozen teams who haven't won a Super Bowl and your criticism of John Robinson is that he hasn't done it in five years in the five years of his tenure now heading into six I think that it's you know it's not it's not to be critical of Catherine I'm trying to explain this in as elementary a, uh, a way as I can but I think it's just a tad short-sighted we'll talk with coach Mack about this on the other side I'm Buck Rising it's one of four five the zone All right, right when I jump in the Zoom, the man in black appears before me. It is Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio. He's presented to us by Farm Bureau Health Plans. They have been protecting Tennesseans since 1947 like an extra set of pads when you need them the most. Farm Bureau Health Plans brings us Coach Dave McGinnis. What's going on, Mac? How we living, brother?
3: Good afternoon, Buck. Hi, Lucas. Uh, good to be on with you guys. I just got through, uh, communicating with Randy Wilbo from Farm Bureau Health Plans, one of the best people on earth. Farm Bureau Health Plans, solid people. No. Anyway, now yeah. let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Let's talk some ball
0: with coach Mack. Mack, we've been talking a lot today. Uh, well, actually we've been making fun of the Jags a little bit, or we were about to make fun of the Jags a little bit because they had a situation where they, they were getting, they obviously drafted Trevor Lawrence first overall, And Trevor, while he was getting ready to be drafted, had his phone, I think, on Do Not Disturb and sent them to voicemail three times. Have you ever, as a head coach or as a coach in general, because you've been around the league a long time, have you ever been trying to get a hold of a player that you need to deliver an important message to and they've been ducking you for a variety of reasons or you just flat out couldn't get a hold of them?
3: Well, I've never had a player duck me, but I've had a hard time getting a hold of them. Uh, especially in the, in the off season. But uh, I, I always could because uh, I promised you coach Mack could find a way to get him. <laughs> but, but Yeah, I don't, I've never, I've never had a player. I never had a player duck. I me. Mean, I don't think Trevor was ducking them. No. Uh, and plus there was really no mystery about who was going to draft him. Right.
0: Hey, I think, I think he had it figured out at that point, but just the idea of the first overall pick sending you to voicemail a handful of times, probably getting your head a little bit. If you're the guy trying to draft him, I'd imagine.
3: No, well, no. They probably already
0: knew. So, Mac, there's been a lot of conversation around Julio Jones for a variety of different reasons, whether he makes sense for the Tennessee Titans, given that Atlanta has said that they are actively open to trading him as they would take calls on any player. Terry Fontenot, the general manager down there with Arthur Smith, has said that publicly. Um, The latest reporting on it is that the Titans may have interest if Julio is a legitimate trade candidate after June 2nd when they can split the cap hit over two years. Is that somebody I mean he I think he immediately comes in here and makes your football team better, but from a schematic standpoint, is is Tennessee the best place for Julio to maximize the ability of a compete of a team that's just looking to compete for a Super Bowl?
3: Well, I mean there's so many factors that go into this. Sure. And, and let me say this, Buck, since the 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 pandemic has lifted a little bit, I've had some friends uh, in, uh, in successive weeks come in that have had that, uh, really good friends in Chicago that have had sons uh, accepted to Vanderbilt, you know, and so they came in to look at the city, and so I've been out to dinner with them, and being out to dinner with them, I have, you know, now that, now that I'm out, I'm out a lot in this city. You know, people come up, and that's some of the questions they ask me, and these yeah. people that were with me go, Coach Mack, do you always talk about the Titans when you're out in public? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> because I, I absolutely love it, so I uh, this discussion I understand is out there. Uh, you've talked a little bit about first of all, is financial implications are yeah. big with this, and they're so big, and, and and salary cap. I mean, I've dealt with the salary cap. I've cleared a salary cap before as a head coach. I've dealt with serious salary cap issues as as an assistant head coach. You know, for for a lot of years, and so if you're talking about a player like this. You know, that's that's 32 years old. That clearly is a very good player. I don't know what his physical condition is now, but really we need to start talking about the financial aspects of it first, because as you said, I mean, what is it? 23, 24 million, 23.2, 23.25 outrageous. Yeah. Well, I thought I was pretty close, but, and so then, you know, you get to $15 million a year and you're, you're looking at the, at the where you are salary cap wise. Now, I mean, they're not loaded with cap money now. And, and right now you're at, you're at the top 51 players. And when you get to the top 53, they're going to need more money. And so, you know, to do something like this, there are a lot of pieces that have to fit. I can understand why the conversation is there. You ask me, would he schematically fit? The answer is yes. He'd schematically fit a lot of places, Again, I'm saying this without any knowledge of where he is physically right now at 32 years old. So th- these are these are things, and I really don't mind these questions. You know, here with you, I love them because I love talking to our listeners, and I love them when I'm out in public because I just like talking about the Titans, and people are generally interested, and that's what makes me happy.
0: Well, and that's that's kind of you, – you get so many questions about it, Mac, just from, from our perspective, you're – God bless you, you're not on social media, but it's one of the prevailing things that I see in my Twitter mentions. And so it's at a certain point, you, you almost feel obligated to discuss it, no matter how unrealistic it might be. And we have no idea. As Mac has said, he has, no, he has no inside knowledge about what they could be considering about this. I am not claiming to have any kind of inside knowledge about how they view Julio Jones. It's just continuously hovering around this offseason, given that we basically have four months until football begins and we can actually delve deep into a 53 man roster and players that we know are going to be there. But you you talk about having to clear a salary cap as a head coach. Mac, you you took the Arizona Cardinals or the Birdnells as you call them through one yeah. of the darkest times of their franchise history. Like you really had to do so much heavy lifting in that position. When you when you talk about clearing a salary cap as a head coach, can you kind of expand for the listeners what exactly that means? What that looks like? when you're at the, sitting at the top, sitting in the top job.
3: Well, yes. And I mean, that was, well, you know, when I, when I agreed to take the job finally, you know, they, they said, you know, if, if you'll, if you'll clear, if you'll clear this cap force, which was in horrendous shape because it had three or four people, you know, in that, in that general manager's position doing contracts. And when you have, you know, when you have segmented contracts done, I mean, it's just, it, it's a mess. And so, I mean, it was bad. And then, you know, they, and then, at my, that time, help us clear this cap, and by doing that, what they were saying is you're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to lose some really good players and get some younger players that don't cost as much, and you're not going to be as good. But if you'll help us clear a cap and help us get a stadium built, because they'd already had two failed referendums, you know, they said we'll start with a four-year contract, but once you get this stadium built, we'll redo it. Well, two out of three, like Meatloaf said, wasn't bad. <laughs> I got the, I got the, I got the, the salary cap cleared and and help get the stadium built, but. The rest of it didn't happen anyway, to the point of clearing a salary cap and see, it was different back then, Buck, because you had a, you had a ceiling, but you didn't have a floor. Yeah. Okay. So you could not spend any money if you didn't want to. And at the time, the Cardinals were in, in huge financial problems because they, you know, they're, they're at Sun Devil Stadium and they had no, no sweet revenue. They had nothing going on there. So that was, it was a different time, but when you start having to clear a cap and nowadays You know, when the salary cap first came in, especially when it first came in with a ceiling and a floor, a lot of a lot of clubs didn't really understand it. Now everybody understands where it is. And so when you first talk about clearing a cap, there's a lot of different uh, permutations to it. But right now, when you start talking about adding people, if you don't have enough cap space now on the books is you start talking about restructuring. And so when you talk about restructuring, you're talking about, you know, the highest paid players on your team that have time left on their contract who are eligible for restructuring. And so all of that stuff goes in, go, go, goes into place. As I said, I had about a dozen years of it that I was involved in doing that. And the first thing you better have is a real good understanding, a real good understanding of what the future ramifications of that are.
0: Well, yeah, you're basically planning three years ahead of time at the same time while trying to prepare an offseason and prepare a team the next year just as i understand it from the outside perspective kind of looking at what vin marino with the titans and john robinson have to work in conjunction to do coach dave mcginnis of titans radio here with us on behalf of farm bureau health plans turn to the folks who have been in the game since 1947 farm bureau health plans offers the great health care coverage you need with a price tag you can afford so when you're approaching a player mac about a restructure I, I know it varies based on the player and the personality that you're dealing with, but in your experience, what has that conversation looked like?
3: Well, first of all, it depends on, it depends on the player, the length of time that he has been there with you and how much time he's got left on his contract and how viable it is with the money he left has left on his contract and how, how deep he is into that, into that contract. But you always, you always go to the player. You always go to you always go to the player first. You know, your people, you go to the player first and then in conjunction with their representation and you explain to them what's going to go on, because it's not the fact that they are going to give their money to you. It's just you're going to redistribute the money and push it down the road that you're you're able to go cash over cap. If you're willing to to put it into a signing bonus that you can spread out that will help you, but they still get the money. I think that's a misconception that some people have sometimes when they say if you go ask for a restructure or you go to players to, to be able to allocate more money on the cap, they're still owed their money. And so it just depends on when they get it, how they get it, and then how it figures into what your cap world is at the time. But you always go to the player. You always go to the player and talk to them about it because it's their money now Coach Mac has
0: some range, so we can talk about the business of football with him. but I need to talk a little bit a little bit of ball while we 've got Dave McGinnis sure. here with with the conversation that we were having earlier mac i don 't know how much of it you heard about this 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 hyper focus on the Titans need to add a slot receiver the Titans need to add a slot receiver, but I think that people kind of don't necessarily apply nuance to what exactly a slot receiver is right now. We we went through the slot snaps that Titans receivers and tight ends took last year, and the top wide receiver operating out of the slot for the Titans in 2020 was Corey Davis. Josh Reynolds coming over from the Los Angeles Rams had 178 snaps in the slot last year. And if you could just kind of expand for people on, on I, I guess, the, the The misconception that there's a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two those guys are on the outside, and your third wide receiver is solely in the slot. I feel like people get that mixed up from time to time
3: well I'd love to talk about this and again I haven't heard the conversation you've had before because. I was at a pretty significant breakfast meeting this morning. but yeah, Max Max got things to do. Okay, humble brag. I see you. No, no, but it did evolve into some talk of this because, you know, everybody likes to talk business, but they want to talk Titans, you know, when I'm around, and so that's what we did. Here's the first thing to understand. When, When you talk about a slot receiver, you're not necessarily talking about 11 personnel per se. You talk about Anthony Ferkser. Most of the time, Anthony Ferkser, you know, if you're removed from the cylinder, to a two receiver side, then you are considered in the slot. Yeah. So a lot of that came from 12 personnel, where they would remove him from the cylinder to be able to get the matchups they wanted. Because the matchup you know, plays a lot into this, Buck. It, you know, if, if you're the defensive coordinator, and I'm Arthur Smith last year, and I know that every time I put 12 personnel, which is two tights, two wides, one back on the field, you're going to match me with base personnel, then I'm going to split Ferkser out and match him up against a linebacker that's not as good in space. You know, and, and, and even, even if I, I see that, you know, on third down that you're going to match him with the least uh, available guy to be able to cover in a slot because Anthony Furkser can make people miss in a short area. And so a lot of that, a lot of that depends on the matchups that you are going to play against during that week. Receivers can move back and forth to the slot and a, and a lot of slot, a lot of outside receivers, especially if we're talking about 11 personnel. If you run what we call flip formation, you put the slot up on the line of scrimmage, you put the, the outside receiver to the two receiver side off the line of scrimmage, and he comes down in motion and then runs the inside route of a pattern, then he becomes a slot receiver. So there's a lot of different ways that you could, that you can get to it. And it's not necessarily that one guy has to be designated as the slot receiver. It's more or less, not more or less, it's exactly what goes on within the scheme of what you are running versus the opponent you are playing at that time.
0: Coach Dave McGinnis with us here on 104.5 The Zone. Mac, I, I had the opportunity to watch the one day that was open to us of rookie minicamp, watched a little bit of the wide receivers with you and I made a mistake in watching Des Fitzpatrick that you helped correct me on and and helped me kind of better understand what exactly I was watching because I saw Des Fitzpatrick slip up a little bit and I made the mistake of saying, well, it looks like he didn't plant his foot correctly before turning up field. And you pointed out that he had simply gotten over his feet, lost his balance a little bit and how crucial that is to a wide receiver while they're trying to basically maintain and keep their, keep their, uh, keep, Basically, keep their leverage for lack of a better term when when you when you were out there watching Des Fitzpatrick on the practice field I, you probably got to see a little more than we did. What were kind of your takeaways from seeing him out there understanding that they they are all brand new they're finding out where their locker room uh, where their locker room is and where to go for the practice field, but based on that that small sample size, what were your kind of takeaways from Des
3: well first of all buck I, I just much respect for you out there watching and asking questions because I will. Always answer questions because I've been doing this on a practice field longer than you've been alive, and that's not your fault.
0: Okay, <laughs> I'm and just so, trying. But, I'm just trying to learn from the great one, baby. That's all well, I'm trying I'm not to do.
3: Great one, but the fact that you want to learn—it's like when I first came here, you know, and and finally when uh, Ashley Farrell and Amy Wells, you know, got over being afraid of me, you know, they asked <laughs> if I would explain some football to them, and so you know, for about. Uh, two and a half, three months. Every day after work, we'd take two two hours. And I said, go get your notebooks, get some tape out, and let's start looking at this. And because they wanted to learn so they could be better at their jobs, which to me, I'm always willing to do that if somebody's willing to learn. Now, if somebody wants to tell me how much they know when I'm standing there, well, then, you know, I probably won't listen very long. So, but anyway, <laughs> going back to what when, the first thing I always look at, Buck, when I go out there in, in, in this part of, of rookie camp, and it's different for me, you know, now because I haven't seen these guys before. So, just physically, I want to get out there and see how they work. But you ask about this first thing I look at receivers is I watch their lower body and see what kind of lower body flex they have. And, and that's the first thing I, I, look, I look at. And then I, I, look, at, I look at their movement and, I, and I'm not watching, you know, uh, up top because that doesn't matter to me. What I want to see is if they are fluid. Through change of direction, both short and long term, if they are are fluid in three, five, and seven step routes, if they're not segmented in their movement, and the last thing that you know I look at, and again it'll take a while, you know, to look at this is is is, is how consistent are they in the stem of their route. Because the stem of a route is what a defender is going to read. And by the stem of the route, I mean where the upper body is going. Because if, if they've got tails in the stem of their route, as far as depending on where the depth of the route they're going to break is, that's really easy to read. It's real easy for – for, I think I talked to you about this on the field. Yeah. It's real easy for a linebacker to read a running back on the stem because they don't get to practice it as much. But a receiver is different. And so all of those things you know, I look at. And then I really – receivers coming in this lead need, need a lot of instruction they've got ability they're all here because of their physical ability but they need instruction on 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 being able to get off routes not wasted steps you know chopping their steps you know ma- making a making making a two step cut a three step cut all of those things but that comes with time but just what i look at initially is i look at their their athletic ability and i'm really looking at what kind of flexibility they have in their lower body because if you don't have lower body flex in the national football league because it's it's a short area quick game You've got to be able to change directions, and you've got to be able to accelerate whatever position you're playing. Uh, that's what I look at first. Coach
0: Dave McGinnis, as always, presented by our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. Here every Friday at about this time, making a smarter man. Mac, it was so good to be out on the practice field with you. Even it, I, my, my, I'm trying to keep my powder dry. I know it wasn't a practice. I know it's just rookie minicamp, but it was very exciting see you to see everybody to, for those of us who were vaccinated to be out there without masks it was a little jarring because it's been so long uh but it's always good to spend time with you my brother
3: wasn't that great out there buck when everybody didn't have to have masks on and we were able to stand next to each other and actually talk and- as I say, I I absolutely enjoy it. That's that that's something I'm really enjoying about this part of my career. You know, doing doing the broadcasting and then being able to do this because as a coach, you you, you don't get to be out among the people. And plus, if somebody really wants to learn, I am more than happy because uh, I've got plenty to say about
0: it. No, you're going to be so sick of me by the end of the season, Mac. I'm going to be harassing you at practice all the time. We no, that's voice. not
3: true. Ask <laughs> Brett Bryan. I mean, here's a great example of Rhett Bryan when I came in here. You know, after that first year of doing the draft with him, he approached me and said, Mike, I'd really – because, you know, Rhett is a, is a, is a draft junkie. Yeah. He said, I'd really like to learn what goes on behind this. How do you set up a board? Tell me what you look at. How it, and so within the last four years, I mean, he he really dug down and really started grinding on learning that. And so, you know, our, our, draft, our draft broadcast has immensely gotten really good. And because, you know, Rhett Bryan wanted to learn, but he put in the work. takes work to learn it, I promise you
0: why Titans Radio is the best at what they do. Mac, get, uh, enjoy your weekend, brother. We'll catch up with you next Friday. Buck, thanks. Lucas, see you. See you, guys. We'll Thank com- you. We'll come back, rack up, wrap, wrap up the show, if I can get my words out. It's the end of the week. What are you going to do? I'm Buck Rising. It's 104.5 The Zone. Oh, you love it. Father Stretch, get us out of here on this Friday. Good energy to wrap up the week here on 104.5 The Zone with. We have had a great time. We appreciate your all's participation, whether it's on 104.5 The Zone TV, where you guys are acting in the chat, whether it's via the phones or on Twitter, just berating me in the mentions. It's always good to hang out with you guys. Another week in the books. Get to the poll questions here in just a second, but we have to briefly touch on what Predators coach John Hines said. I guess he's having his media availability right now. And ahead of game three, Hines had some lineup updates. And a uh, what seemed like a very strong message about the things that they needed to correct. Yes.
2: Yeah, I think the media availability was an hour or two ago, but he did say Cali Yancrow will be back in the lineup. He was out due to illness. That's who was dropped for Tolvanen Monday. So that's what'll be interesting if Ellie Tolvanen is back out because Yarncrow is back in. And he said they need to make some changes to rectify a direct quote. What happened in the power or on Game Two, which you assume has something to do with the power play.
0: I mean, you can't. You just can't go 0 for seven. Like,
2: o for ten in the series.
0: It's it's ghastly. It's absolutely untenable. And tonight, I mean, tonight, I, I think, I think honestly, Wednesday determined their fate. I think they're basically dead in the water. Sure. Evan Evan White on YouTube says this coach of yours is a clown, and I actually hate it for Preds fans. I, I mean, I I don't. How is Heinz viewed in terms of competency? Because my biggest question about him, just kind of following it from afar, before we really got into things and they started to matter again, my biggest question was why Why did it take injuries for him to correct his lineup on a night-by-night basis, which seemed to make a drastic improvement? That I lay at the feet of the coach. and And now this, like how much... How much of this is on Hines just from, you know, I'm, I'm asking this as, as an uneducated hockey viewer.
2: Well, he's been outcoached in this series. There's no doubt. I mean, Rob Brendamore has a lot more to work with uh, in Carolina, sure. obviously. But uh, yeah, he's been flat out outcoached in this series. But I mean, he's been re- also before the series started, he received massive credit for getting the Preds to this point. I mean, John Hines and this staff, I think, had a lot to do with the turnaround midseason. Okay.
0: So we'll, we'll give him credit. More credit is due. In the meantime, let's play a little uh, audio Russian roulette. Who is introducing this uh, this Friday's polls? Ooh. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier.
2: The polls have closed and the votes have been tallied. It's the segment where bias takes over and nuance goes to die. Now is your favorite Buck Rising Show correspondent, Lucas Pan. Make that poll, Zika.
0: Thank you, Howard. Go ahead, Lucas.
2: Do the Preds win tonight, yes or no? 60% say no.
0: I can't see it. Lucas was saying in the green room before we got the show started that he thought if they had any chance to get a game, it would be tonight. But, I mean, what's changed? Is, is the power, pr- uh, power play going to be miraculously corrected in two days? Is this going to make a big enough difference? Is it simply the fact that they're playing in front of a home crowd for the first time in the series? I I I love the environment at Bridgestone Arena. It's fantastic always, even if it is at limited capacity. But like, what what's what's the difference? Well, look, if they had gotten one goal out of Wednesday
2: or out of Wednesday's power plays, or going one for seven or two for seven, you're looking at you know being in that game and potentially taking game two. So I think you're just a, the slightest improvement away. From staying in the game, if you see Soros, can replicate that kind of performance. So, yeah, I think they could snatch game three here today and then lose game four, and then the series is all but over as they go back to Carolina.
0: Your homer is showing. What's next? Uh. (laughs) He's pissed.
2: pissed. What's the best (laughs) gift for a high school graduation?
0: Oh, yeah. My little sister is graduating from high school uh, Sunday, which is exciting. So we will. Uh, so I'll, I'll have to go and get her something. I have. I'm been trying to figure it out because you know you. I, I'm totally happy to just straight up give her cash, which bothers me none. But um, you know, I was looking for something a little more, a little more heart, heartfelt. Is that a word? Yeah. Heart. Yeah. Yes,
2: that's a word. I, well, Davey said I didn't understand that people got anything other than cash for graduation. I d- don't overthink it, man. She probably just wants money. Yeah. I'll just give her money. Uh V Love says drugs for the grad party. Don't do drugs, kids. Uh <laughs> Scott says for the parents alcohol for the graduate money. Yeah. Uh Will says Amazon gift cards are always a W. Yeah.
0: yeah that, that that's basically money. So free money. And
2: just... cousin P says a
0: Mercedes. Okay, I'll get right on that. <laughs> By the way, there is somebody in the chat whose whose handle is Bucks Adderall Medication, <laughs> <laughs> And I keep seeing it pop up and it's killing me. I uh I want to know I I want to see I want to see the picture cuz it looks I I can't tell if it's a picture of me or if it's if it's uh, a picture of somebody else it appears to be somebody else but yeah like the little image they put yeah like the profile picture oh. I can't tell if it's me or not um but it says it is not me <laughs> I'm looking at it now <laughs> buck's Adderall medication he chimes in graduation card with cash in it then watch her open it and pretend the money isn't even there what do you mean pretend the money's not there well why don't i just give her a grad card without the money in it and then uh and then give her uh and then give her the cash like after the fact like just prank her like that
2: just give her money okay <laughs> who is the titans best option at slot receiver anthony Ferks or des fitzpatrick cam batson or josh reynolds 35 percent. the leader is C- uh, des fitzpatrick josh reynolds in behind with 30 percent or 23 percent cam batson 12 percent
0: I feel like our audience kind of telling on on themselves that way. Like, I don't think people know exactly what they're looking at uh, when they watch Des Fitzpatrick. Do I have time to take a call? Should I take a call? Yeah, let's let's see what Wayne has to say. All right, Wayne wants to weigh in on the graduation gift. What's up, Wayne?
3: What's up, brothers? Um, man, I say a mini fridge for your little sister. Uh, congratulations to her, but also fill it with ranch water and/or white cloth. Huh. Never go wrong
2: with those with this, with that the uh, that there.
0: Well, I would not. A- <laughs> I would, of course, not promote underage drinking on the air, Wayne, but, you know, maybe. <laughs> okay, yeah, what is this ranch water phenomenon? Oh, it's, it's like a tequila seltzer. Because
2: I was walking around Kroger yesterday with my girlfriend just doing some grocery shopping, and I saw ranch water next to the White Claws, and it was right next to a giant tub of actual ranch dressing. I was just like, <laughs> this could be very misleading for some people that think it's actually ranch-flavored water, because people <laughs> would buy that. <laughs> God, what is wrong with us?
0: Just- like, would
2: people not buy ranch water?
0: Probably, that, but people are gross, you know, just largely. And I love all of our people, all of our people between the hours of 10 and 1 and on the primetime show. Love you all. But a lot of you are disgusting.
2: <laughs> I did a double take because I had never heard of this alcoholic drink called ranch water. And I, I seen, literally thought that's well, what, hidden valley water.
0: Ba- <laughs> a little craft buttermilk water.
2: I said, that's disgusting, and then I read the label. I said, okay, okay, yeah,
0: no, it's, find it, a better name. It's a tequila seltzer. I'm tempted to try it. I'm going to a wedding this weekend before I go to my sister's, uh, my little sister's graduation, high school graduation, uh, so perhaps I will take a case of ranch water, whether it be Kraft or uh, Hidden Valley Ranch brand. Well, that sounds right up your alley, tequila water. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about ranch. I was about to no. come. I was about to break through this plexiglass and swing on you.
2: Ranch, the most overrated condiment. I'm going to drop that grenade and run. What's the last poll, damn it? Can you drink? There's two more. Can you drink? Uh, no, there's three more. Can you drink <laughs> sixty four ounces of Kool Aid? Fifty seven percent say no.
0: Wait, there, there's 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 forty three percent of the
2: percent audience that yes. can. People love Kool Aid.
0: the people six, love Kool Aid. Sixty four ounces? I don't know. A lot of Kool Aid.
2: Which game are you going to Sunday? Preds, Canes, Nashville SC versus Austin, both or neither? 68% neither, 19% Preds, 9% Nashville SC, 4%
0: both. A lot easier to watch from home, and, and playoff tickets probably tough to get. I will be at the soccer game.
2: Will you be watching Formula One in Monaco on Sunday? 78% say no.
0: I It'll be my first Formula One ga- uh, uh, race, but I'm excited to watch it. I hear it's a great time. You know what else is? Blaine and Mickey. They're coming up next. I'll see you Monday.